I think one of my favorite things, um, a lot of times that we say is like, we're better together. We're better Mm -hmm. as we bring on more people. And so, um, as we bring on other individuals, it create, it just kind of expands and gives better, um, maybe even more flexibility to those structures because now we're bringing on new perspectives through other individuals. Well, hello, Daniel. Hello, George. What do you have for us today? Well, to recap, many that have been listening along will know that we've been revisiting and kind of catching up and finishing out um, a conversation around our three pillars Mm. of... Sounds so like solid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Resolute. Yeah. It's definitely without flaw. (laughs) And, um, And really, it's the only way to think. So um, we're pretty sure about it. I mean, not overly confident, just extremely confident. Well, if like anyone knows verifiab- us, yeah. verifiably proven Perfect. And, and, and true. Yeah, none of that's true. Um, yeah, we're, we're fleshing out, we're, we're exploring um, what are the principles that we believe ought to be true when it comes to building creative, innovative, adaptive um, product teams or teams Mm. in general. I mean, this could be applied to teams in general, but for our context, it's definitely when we're thinking about uh, creating technology, doing digital Mm -hmm. transformation or innovation work. Mm. Um, So far we've, we've tackled the three, the three pillars themselves, which are postures, disciplines, and structures. Mm -hmm. And um, what we mean by that is that um, we're thinking about kind of the thinking, the feeling, which is our postures, your, your posture, your state of being, um, the disciplines that people have to do to do the work, to, to not get stuck in the work, to find rest between the work, and to make sure you're doing the right work, right? So you have these kind of disciplines. Um, and then the third piece is we, we used the analogy yesterday, yesterday. It wasn't yesterday. It was on the last episode. It was in the past. Which wasn't even recorded yesterday. So yeah. I'm not even exactly. You could say the days of your or yesteryear. That's fine. The previous episode talked about <laughs> um, this idea of structures. And structures are like the ingredients to your, your recipe, right? What do you have to work with that help you to then go do that disciplined work with the right mindsets and postures? Right. So we first covered uh, postures. No. Man, we're all over the place today. Purpose. We cover purpose. purpose. It's another P word. Mm-hmm. We we first um, uh, covered purpose and how that really is one of the most important structures to mm-hmm. make sure that you are identifying, communicating, uh, reminding, and um, and using as a way to motivate 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 people towards the right thing. Um, I, I recently saw a message um, online that was talking about the fact that um, milita- the great military leaders would be crystal clear with their intent, mm-hmm. but not have to be micromanaging with instruction. Mm-hmm. And we always think of like military as like barking orders, mm-hmm. but most of their orders are about intent, mm-hmm. about this is, we are going to do this thing for this purpose, for this reason. And, and then everyone knew their, knows their roles. And so that gets carried out because actually the team does a really good job of knowing how to achieve that intent. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so we, we, we cover purpose, um, and there's three more to cover, but we wanted to jump into the next one, which is people. Mm-hmm. So the question, I guess, to start off with you, Dan, is what is the structure of people? It's very deep. I think mm. to, I'd have to go back into the, the recesses of my mind. Well, you've got bones. Oh, yeah. um, you've got muscles and um, vessels that carry things, yep. blood, plasma, water, nutrients, Incredible. carbohydrates, fats, proteins, alcohol, all the main, you know, Food groups, all the main, all the main, uh, uh, I guess you would call them molecules or complexes that contain calories, but that's not what you're asking about. I don't George. think it is. No, it's a, no. Though it is fascinating and I'm right. sure we could build right. a lot of analogies. Right. I think, so going back to people, I know that you and I would say this, but I think any leader, if we were asked the question around the crux, whether it's within our framework around structures or just in general, it comes back to people. Mm. Um, you know, we use tools in our work, but people are the, are the, are the, the, the beans, the brains, the hands and the feet behind the creation, the invention, even the conceptualization of tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, especially for us in a service-based company, we're, creating, designing, building experiences and products to serve our customers so they can then go serve their customers. Well, every people are involved in every aspect, again, the ideation of it, the creation, and then the actual usage of it. And so when you think of an organization or, um, a company, um, you are both at the same time, which I think is such a cool paradox is you're both constrained, but you're also yeah. enabled and empowered by your people. Yeah, that's right. And I think, I think we find that in our lives too, is that guidelines, good guidelines, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, this is what you want me to accomplish. Uh, very similar to what you just said about military leaders of the, the intent or here's the purpose, but then there's not the micromanaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's guidelines. There's, but leaders struggle with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, you find and we'll that, get to constraints even more because that's one of the yeah. other structures, but yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll find that, um, that when you empower your people, mm-hmm. um, they can take you to the greatest places. Um, but you are also constrained by that and that's not a bad thing. It's a, so you've got structures, you know, inherently are, they're not necessarily completely unbreakable or completely solid, but they're per, pretty firm. They're and so defined, when you think about, yeah, the word that I've been using lately, yeah. it's just like, it's defined. Doesn't mean that the definition can't change, but right. it has definition. Yeah. And so you think about an individual, so I'll just start thinking about myself, you know, what I bring to Crema or I bring to our team. Yeah. What do you bring to our team? I'm still trying to figure that out and it's been 12 years. Um, But there's a defined set of skills and experiences. There's a defined set of even, you know, um, time uh, within myself to learn maybe a new skill or to dive into something. So I, myself as a person, um, Am, am a structure in this because, um, I can both enable, but I am also, um, a constraint. And so I think one of my favorite things, um, a lot of times that we say is like, we're better together. We're better mm-hmm. as we bring on more people. And so, um, as we bring on other individuals, it create, it just kind of expands and gives better, um, maybe even more flexibility to those structures because now we're bringing on new perspectives through other individuals. And so, um, again, when you're thinking about an individual, um, that's coming onto your team, uh, 
they are structure and that they are built, bringing a fairly defined set of skills, mm. experience, that one that you know of, you're bringing them on to help your team. But also, and the beautiful part about it is then you find out more about as they are on your team, mm-hmm. you're able to find out, oh man, look at these other talents and gifts and experiences and ideas this person is bringing. And so there's such an enabling aspect of that, um, even though um, we use this word structure, I think it can sound confining, but it's really not. It's more enabling. Yeah. And we've gone back and forth on on the fact that do we define a person as a structure? Because it kind of makes, mm-hmm. I, it's mm-hmm. like the fact that, you know, I don't, we, we, you and I have talked about the fact that we're not in love with this, this, the terminology of human resource, mm-hmm. right? Because human resource makes it seem like something that is um, d- d- disposable, which yeah. when you're in a business, there is a certain level of like really difficult decisions you need to be um, make to, to be mindful of the collective. Um, you were saying something earlier and I could not, not think I, I could, I just was thinking about, uh, the Liam Neeson quote, oh, where, oh. um, where he's like, I have a particular set of skills, oh, yeah. <laughs> skills that make me a nightmare for yeah, people. Right, like you. Right, yeah. right. Um, well, I think you, I think you hit on, uh, several of the, the thoughts around how we think about people, mm-hmm. the structure of people. And when we pr- probably started talking about the framework early on, we mentioned the fact that there's kind of three levels to this framework. And actually we would, we would probably say there's four, but we're not going to talk too much about the fourth. And that is that this framework or this way of thinking about disciplines and postures is applied at the individual level, each person thinking about what this means for themselves, but it also applies at the team level. So what is the collective team um, and how are they organized? How do they think? How do they act? And then at the organizational level. So how does the organization, a team of teams really, um, um, think about the way that they unlock this potential that you're talking about, this, this, um, this change, this evolution of the people as the company grows or changes mm-hmm. or keeps up with the, the changes that are happening around them. And mm-hmm. the, the fourth, just as if anybody's curious, the fourth layer is, is community. So what, mm-hmm. how might this apply to a broader community or market sense? But we're not going to go to that for right now because we want to stay back focused on people of product. That's what this podcast is about. Um, so let's start with the individual. You, you hinted at it a little bit already. We talked on the contribution episode around the idea that there each person has to come with their own set of capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they bringing? What's the skills? What's the experiences? What the, what's the perspectives that they can bring to contribute or to make the whole better, to mm-hmm. move the purpose forward? Mm-hmm. But as the organization thinks about the individual, which um, we mentioned is hard because there's like, you want to know each individual person, what motivates them, what's important to them, et cetera. But you also have to be thinking about the whole, mm-hmm. but how does the organization thoughtfully consider that individual's structure? And again, mm-hmm. not the body, not mm-hmm. saying like, Oh, they've got strong bones, you know, mm-hmm. but more so what, what about their capabilities? What about their skills? What about their mindsets? What about mm-hmm. their habits and um, postures and disciplines right. are, are going right? Yep. Need to be changed, mm-hmm. need to be improved, need to be encouraged or corrected. Mm-hmm. And this is where a leader or a peer for that matter can really speak into 
the 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 personhood or the the structure or mm -hmm. the the makeup of the person next to them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that doesn't get talked about too much. I think we do definitely, it's, uh, it's popular right now to talk about the mental health of the person. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is super important. I would, I would not downplay. It's nothing less than that, but I think that it also includes accountability It mm -hmm. includes, um, making sure your purpose is clear for that individual. It includes understanding what that person, that individual's, uh, life purpose is. What, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, where are you going? Right. Is, is right. this organization the best place for you? Or how mm -hmm. can we get you to where you want to be? Yeah, I think that's really good and helpful. Um, I would even say key what you said there, like how can we help you get to the, basically to where you can become the best version of yourself so you can do the best work of your life is I think when we, when you hear the word people as structure, it's just like, okay, it's not a mindset of what do you, what's, what's all that you have that you can give me? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's how not, can I get 10% yeah. more than what, that? Yeah. What okay. do you have yeah. that you can give me? Um, it's not limiting in scope. It's more like understanding the person, like what are the raw materials? Mm. And then how can you continue to build on that and build on that? Because for the most part, I mean, if you are leading your team, well, a lot of your feedback sessions or reviews or however that is done at your organization, you are having conversation of, Hey, you contributed well in this area. And they right. meant, well, Oh, tell me more. Or, you know, how, how do you know I contributed well? And then you're able to tell them and give them feedback on what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. And then what's the next step? Here's mm -hmm. how you can level up. Here's mm -hmm. how you can do better. And so the, the, the wonderful part about, you know, people being one of uh, the structures is that as a leader, you should know that this structure is ever increasing. Yes. It's becoming stronger. It's actually, it's a evolving constraint, almost an evolving guideline mm -hmm. that can enable you to better work down the road um, because it's a ever enhancing, ever learning structure within your people. But anytime you have a goal or accomplishment, you know, the first thing that goes through your mind is like, all right, what, what, what resources do I have right. around me? What, right. what, what it's do like I have the to show alone? With? It's like the show alone. They drop you. They oh, drop you in the middle the of nowhere. Alone. Yeah. Yeah. The show alone. Alone. And I'm like, <laughs> Kevin Costner, not Kevin Costner, Kevin McAllister. Like <laughs> what? When, oh, I mean, I guess he looked around and he was like, well, yeah, it's what, like, what do I have some, to defeat these? I've got the paint bucket and a bandits. string. <laughs> yeah, that works too. We'll it's the show alone. It's like, okay, alone, I got to build is, shelter. I've got might to might give context for what that show is. Okay. Yes. Maybe. Show alone. Um, it's, uh, there is a season on Netflix. I believe it was started on the history channel, but I'm not for sure, yeah. but I do. There are some seasons on, uh, Netflix and I wish there was more 10 individuals get dropped in the middle of Northern Canada, in the middle of nowhere, all different places. They have like, I think five square miles to themselves to mm. wander about and basically survive a hundred days. And the, the first uh, couple episodes, they are getting the lay of the land. What are the rules of the road? Yeah. Where am I at? How can I flourish? Yeah. And how can I flourish within, within this environment with what I have? And I think that's why people are such an important aspect of this pillar is because you're constantly asking, okay, we got to accomplish this. Who do we have on staff? What can they do? Mm -hmm. But the beautiful part about people, as opposed to, you know, tools or whatever, you can say, okay, where do they want to go? Right. And so how is this structure ever enhancing? So that when I, when I think about individuals, I think about, yes, this is what they're providing, but it's also as a leader, you need to think, oh man, they have the potential to provide so much more. 
And I think, I think the tendency, and, and I want to, I don't want to go too far down this road. Cause I think we'll talk about it a little bit in constraints, mm-hmm. but I think the tendency for a, a modern day leader in a, um, uh, trying to create a safe environment, which is good. Um, although I believe, I probably believe more in, a, in the idea of creating a protected environment, mm-hmm. but there is this feeling that they need to make everyone's work easier. Mm. And so something you said there, like if you take that show alone, you get dropped in the middle of nowhere. It ain't easy. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And even as you go looking for what resources are available and what's the lay of the land, what are my boundaries? Where's, where's their danger? You're, you're literally burning calories to figure that stuff out before mm-hmm. you've found your food source. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know we're talking about that being an extreme, but I think if you use that but the parallel of working with someone, whatever stage of development they're in, in either their craft or in their career, they're either coming out of school or coming out of a, maybe a, a, a training of some sort, or maybe they're just brand new and you're taking a risk on them, which we've, we've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to understand, okay, where they're at now, they shouldn't stay here. <laughs> they shouldn't stay in that junior I don't have the skills, um, but I'm here and I deserve to be paid. No, you, they need to be challenged. They need mm-hmm. to be pushed. Just like when you do a workout, you need to tear those muscles right. so that you can get stronger, so that you can know the boundaries of what you're capable of. And, and then, oh, by the way, once you learn what you're capable of, funny thing, all, you, all of a sudden you can do even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that when we start thinking about that individual, there's a couple of different layers that I, I, I kind of wrote down here of of how that person can be supported individually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm curious if you, you have any, any additional ones, but I was thinking about the fact that they just need to be sort, supported on their day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Is it clear? Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know what you're, what's expected of you? Do you know what you're accountable to? Um, so that's just clarity, right? right? And if you're struggling with somebody, something, do you know who you can go to? Right. Are you informed enough to know where to go to find out your priorities and find out what you need to do? Um, second is, are you getting better at your craft? Mm. So if you're a designer, developer, product manager, test engineer, marketer, uh, salesperson, whatever, are you learning to get better at that? And who's supporting Mm -hmm. you? Who's mentoring you? Who's coaching you to get better at that craft? Um, and the last two here are personal growth, personal health. Um, are you taking time to rest? Mm -hmm. Um, are you talking to somebody else like a, um, a counselor or a um, psychiatrist or something that if you need that, that's something maybe that gets encouraged to go do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and knowing that as a leader, I'm a safe person to talk to, but only to some level of like, obviously we're not medically trained. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And then the last thing is career growth. Again, back to that question, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. How can I help you get there? Yeah. Um, that may mean that I'm literally helping you to work your way out of a job of being here, but I hope that you can do awesome work while you're here getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the individual, but what, is there anything else you'd add to add to that? The, no. Or think about the person individually. No, I, I, I think that's great because, you know, that's a good storyline storyline there is in order to be better at my day to day, I have to get better at my actual work, the craft itself. Yeah. Um, to be a holistic value add and holistic and to be the best contributor I can be. There's also, you know, bringing your best self to work as yeah. well. Yeah. And hopefully Which goes back to those postures. Yeah. How are you yeah. entering the space? Yeah. And hopefully you're bringing, you're taking your best self home 
too, yeah, you know, and that there's point. a, there's a good, uh, two way and just holistic idea of being there of both, you know, work at home and then work at the office and then career growth. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. You know, what's I'm at this level. Um, do I want to get to the next level in this pathway or am I interested in a, in a different type of pathway? Um, where am I, where am I seeing myself and just maybe natural talents express themselves, mm-hmm. you know, who, and I think it's key for individuals to pay attention to areas where someone says, man, you just do that. How do you do that? You just, yeah. that just comes natural to yeah. you. Yeah. If someone says that you should pay attention. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. That's something a, you're like, uh, I didn't want yeah. to go there, but well, I mean, it's right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it. the book, uh, multipliers, they call that your inner, your hidden genius. Yeah. So, you good. know, how, and how can you as a leader, and I think part of that in your, in their craft, but also their career growth is discover that, that hidden inner genius, um, as it displays. So, yeah, I think for the, for the individual that's right on. This is, I mean, I think this, this is our core ingredient. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this is the, the main element of our dish. Mm-hmm. And I think that ought to be the main element of every organization's dish, right? They mostly start thinking about their product manufacturing, you know, um, efficiencies, bottom line, uh, money, et cetera. But at a certain point you have to go back and go, nothing gets done in this thing we call work mm-hmm. unless there is a person there to at least turn it on if it's a computer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or to imagine how it can be made better, how it, we can contribute to the purpose um, moving forward. So yep, um, I love um, Todd Henry has this idea that um, you, you, we should be looking and this is, he, he points it toward creatives, but I think, I think everybody's creative. So this applies in my opinion to, towards anybody. You should be looking for people that are hungry, humble, and smart. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you, couple that with the support that we just talked about from a leadership or peer support with learning and training resources, you had the potential to have an incredibly motivated and growing contributor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to and, make sure we're giving credit where credit is due, is that Pat Lincioni, his okay, ideal team player? Oh, you're smart. right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Maybe, and I think Todd Henry said something. Yeah, I think Todd Henry has a similar framework. But yeah, yeah. you said, huh? I'm like, I think that was Pat Lindsay. Uh, we should go there. <laughs> Let's make sure that's right. Hungry, humble, smart. Yep, you got it. Pat Lindsay. Again, at People Product, we're about giving credit to where yeah, credit I mean, is due. We're, we're just repurposing what we've learned. Um, Wait, that's right. <laughs> um, okay. So that's the individual. And there's lots more that we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, people like Brene Brown or Simon Sinek or Adam mm-hmm. Grant have done a tremendous amount of work on thinking about how do you support the person? How do you, how do you unlock people through vulnerability and through um, challenge? And, and there's, there's so much more. And honestly, maybe we can unpack that on other episodes, but touching just on the, the theme of structures of people, once you group some people together, we refer to that as a team. <laughs> yes. Which has been a huge theme of our podcast since the very beginning. Because it was mm-hmm. all, I mean, I think at the very beginning, we kind of said this is going to be a podcast about how to build product teams. Right. Right. Um, what are the different ways teams, okay, we have product teams in general, but step back a little bit. What are different ways that, that teams and organizations typically get organized? Hmm. Good question. I know it's I mean, been there's a busy day so you, many so different, I mean, you can organize by function, you uh-huh. can organize by in a matrix scheme, you can organize by region, you could organize by client type, industry type. I mean, there's so many different ways you could 
organized in a very hierarchical, vertical, you know, um, traditional standard. You can be very flat. Yep. There's very few management uh, managers, so to speak. Um, and again, there are like pros and cons to all of it, to, to, to all of these. And I think where we've landed is um, on the perfect common, solution. on the perfect solution. And everyone should follow exactly what I'm about to say. No, um, is a combination. Of, so some principles uh, as small and agile as we can, that yep. makes sense for the client we're serving or the, the project we're tackling. Um, cross-disciplined 100%. Yep. We believe in diverse perspectives, yep. diverse skills. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And then um, within our own internal structure, we kind of have a little bit of a matrix yep. to where uh, people have uh, they're within a group or, I mean, traditionally you might call it a division, uh, but we call them groups and groups are made up of different clients. And so you are in a group with other members of the, of the same craft but also different craft for sure. Yeah. And you're working in a cross-discipline function within your group to serve clients. And then on a maybe a horizontal aspect, you are a part of a craft. So a designer, yeah, a product designer, a, product a manager. Or cap capability right. or skill, yeah. Right. And so you're part of that team as well so that you can, if you want to call sharpening you know, the ax, uh -huh. you're sharpening the ax with those individuals, learning from one another, teaching one another, and then you're able to leave that team out of that kind of aspect of the matrix. And then you head into um, the group so they can use your skill, use your craft yeah. as On part day -to -day. Of, of a team. Yeah. I think you hit, you hit it. Um, yeah. You hit it perfectly. I think that the, the, the matrix model has become really popular with the companies like Spotify and um, a lot of the tech organizations found that what they had to do was support their people fast enough in the fact that things change regularly enough that they had to support their people both in upping their skills and also support unblocking whatever it took to be unblocked to do the day-to-day -day work. Mm -hmm. And so I think once you start pulling people together of diverse skills, you get more rapid creation mm -hmm. because decisions are being made faster if your structure allows for that. Um, things are being validated to make mm -hmm. sure that you're headed in the right direction. And, but then you have that risk that those individuals on the small team that are maybe the only designer on the team, or maybe the only test engineer on the team lose the ability to sharpen, like you said, sharpen the ax or sharpen, mm -hmm. sharpen with someone else. And so I think that's where we found the matrix model worked really well. Now, again, there's lots of that's been written about how that falls apart and people don't struggle, right. struggle to understand priority. I read a really, it's actually an older article, but um, article about Amazon structure. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they've adapted. And even they say they're constantly revisiting to find out if it's right. And they're, so they're practicing what they preach on themselves. And for them, they've always been an organization that has been driven by innovation, mm -hmm. that it was the speed to create what is the right next new thing rather than we desire stability at all costs, right? Mm -hmm. Now they, they've, they've figured out stability, but it's like stability through innovation. Um, and so they talk a little bit about um, how they'll do these, I guess, kind of like our pulse surveys mm -hmm. where they're always kind of catching from the team, hey, are we doing well? Is everyone contributing in the way they ought to? 
are we all bringing what we need to the table? What's missing? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing for a team is that a team has to be constantly self-assessing. And I think that goes back to our, our, our discipline of feedback, but you always have to be asking, is this team organized correctly? Do we have the right people here? Mm-hmm. And so I think one, one aspect or one structure of a great team is the ability to be flexible. Uh-huh. And so either flexible and who's on the team. So there's not this like protective tribe mentality of like, no, this is our team. Stay away. Mm-hmm. You know? Instead, it's like, no, we need to bring this person in. We need that other perspective. Or you know what, what you're doing right now, we just don't really need that right now. Let's go. You might be able to go see if you can help another team. Or maybe you don't have that luxury. You're not big enough to do that. So you have to ask the question, do I need to contract somebody? Mm-hmm. Do, I, do we need to hire another person? Do, do we need to upskill the people that are on our team, change what they're doing today? Mm-hmm. So, you know, ask someone to take on a challenge to, to learn something new. Um, and that, this is where the team has to be adapting and evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, um, it's uncomfortable. Um, it's challenging, but when a team owns that they're going to work that way, mm-hmm. that they're going to be allow that structure to exist that way to, to find themselves to gather, um, some language I've used before is like a team ought to be thinking about proximity. Mm-hmm. Now I get it. We live in a, a hybrid world now. So proximity has to be defined in a different way. So what are you doing? What's the zoom call, the Slack huddle, or the, you know, the check-in app that you do or whatever that facilitates a sense of proximity, both in time and space mm-hmm. so that you're actually collecting those perspectives of a diverse team, which is why you right. bring them together in the first place. Yeah. In that, model, you have to be, you have to go all in on the idea that you probably will be extremely inefficient and be okay with that. At least at first. Yeah. To where, because in that model, especially, you know, Amazon, a ruthless, uh, listening to the customer, the end user Yeah. that you have to be so quick to not only listen, but then respond Uh very fast. Um, that in and of itself, then from a structure standpoint, forces you to get really crystal clear on what your structures are yeah. because you probably won't have many and that's yeah. okay, but yeah. you have to be but very crystal clear. Yes. And you have to identify that these, we have to be extremely diligent about mm-hmm. these one, two, three structures, you know, another company. And you can't have, be distracted whatever. by anything else. Right. Right. And so, um, because if you're responding to feedback that quickly to be flexible, to be innovative, you still fall back on, it may be very few, but whatever those structures are, you have to be crystal clear on what they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to go hand in hand with the inefficiencies is this goes back to one of our postures being resilience and resilience literally by definition is this idea of how, what's basically what's your recovery time when you fail. Mm-hmm. And I think a resilient team, if we kind of bounce our pillars off of each other here, a resilient team is a team that goes, Oh, we assumed that was right. Mm-hmm. We all chipped in to figure out how to do that. It wasn't, it doesn't appear that it, we were right. Then it's kind of inefficient because we, we had all these people of different roles kind of brought together and they spent time doing that thing. But the question is, is how fast can they take that feedback, learn, adjust, and, and keep moving forward really quickly? Yep. Um, I mean, it's okay to be incredibly inefficient if one speed to innovation and serving customers whose changes are changing, who, whose preferences are changing all the time. Right. That's totally fine. And, and if I would you think argue about, that is 
the lion's share of business. Well, I mean, especially if you're B2C, you know, yeah. if you look at Amazon, it's like, okay, I get on and they've adjusted their, their checkout system again. That's fine. Yeah. As long as it makes it easier. Yeah. And it's more convenient and it's faster. Um, and maybe it's solving a problem that we didn't even know about. Yeah, absolutely. So if they're, if they're inefficient, but they've changed due to customer preference lightning fast, that's okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So I think, again, a lot could be said about teams. Um, you, you hit, I think you hit on most of them. We, you know, kind of the buzzwords that we do often talk about though, is, is true. Where does radical collaboration happen? Where does um, true trust happen on a team? And how, how do you actually get to the point where you each can recognize when that trust meter starts to fall or that collaboration meter starts to fall and someone not, not, it doesn't have to be the product manager every time. It doesn't have to be the, the director or the product owner every time. Everyone on the team holds a shared responsibility to say, whoa, 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 hold on. Regroup real quick. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. I don't feel like we're firing all, all cylinders here. Um, what do we got to do to fix this? And anyone has the permission to have that conversation. Um, we actually schedule that time through retrospectives. So we look for that feedback. So that team is operating pretty well, but again, I I get distracted because I want to be careful not to talk about the disciplines of the team, but the structure of the team, you said it, we believe they ought to be small. And I think small can be six people up to, we'll say 15. Um, when you start to get a team over 20, I haven't seen many teams that operate and communicate well consistently over 20 people. You start to get these little hidden pockets. Well, and then you start to get to, I mean, really what you start doing is you arrange your big team into other small teams. Again, you call them committees. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. (laughs) Are you on a committee or a a task force or yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there there's, there's an argument to be made for, for keeping them as small as possible. Now I, gosh, Tyler, that's on our team when he, his previous organization, he worked for one of his clients basically said, you need to go hire a hundred people to contribute to our project. Now, partly I think they were just wanting to bill out the hours mm. <laughs> if we're honest, which is unfortunate because that's just a waste of resources. But the reality was, is it was too big of a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and too big of a team of brand new people that did not have a line around the purpose of what that team was supposed to be doing. So you're, you're missing two core structures, right? Or, or what we would say are definitions of those structures that are important. Okay. Let's round this out. So you have individuals, multiple individuals make a team and many teams together make a organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of similar to like, I was talking about, well, the body has cells and a few cells make Tissue, a muscle, a tissue, but the tissue altogether makes a superorganism called a body, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think almost the exact same principles apply for a team as they do to organization. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger challenge that I see, and I don't know what you think about this, bigger challenge that I see with organizations at large, and that could be, you know, we work with some organizations that have hundreds of thousands of employees, um, tens of thousands of employees, and then hundreds of employees, right? And the biggest challenge is, yes, you've got these cool little creative, innovative, you know, like move fast, break things teams, but then they're kind of stepping on each other's toes. So like, oh, I didn't realize that team was also doing that. Or, um, 
what I'm doing serves the customer really well, but I forgot to tell support department that they're going to have to deal with it here in a little bit once we launch this thing, you know, or, you know what I mean? Like there, the, the lines of communication between teams starts to very easily be forgotten about because you're so focused on the day-to-day work in the cross-discipline team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think a structure that has to be put in place is a rhythm, a, um, a, a, a putting disciplines um, and, and tools in place that will allow those teams to communicate well with each other. Uh, again, just thinking fresh on the top of my head from that Amazon article that they have a lead and a lead can be whatever, but a lead that oversees a group of mm-hmm. what they call their two pizzas team, two, right. two pizza teams. And any team that's bigger than what that you can feed with two pizzas is yep. big. Yep. Um, and that lead is laser focused on what the purpose of that group is. Mm-hmm. So it could be market vertical, feature function, whatever. And, but that lead is also responsible for understanding at a kind of the T-shape analogy. I'm going to go deep right in the middle, but I can also go horizontal to understand what's happening in the other groups around, around us. Right. Yeah. I, when, when I think about companies that, okay, even with 500 employees, but let's go 500 all the way up to, you know, 10,000 or whatever, I feel like two things. And yeah, I don't know how the best way to organize in this, but I feel like the two questions or maybe two categories you have to answer or speak to are how are decisions made? Yeah. And how can we be, how can we make communication pathways in the feedback loops as fast as possible? Yes. And so that's probably why, you know, you get companies where you've got the president of the Midwest region or, yeah. you know, United States CEO, and then you have the European CEO. It's, you know, they're trying to, um, but then you have a whole host of questions of, you know, do you allow uh, the Midwest's culture to have its own culture, you know, versus like- Does the, that represent the, East. the whole? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how do you, how, how do you organize yourself to where, again, you can make decisions as fast as, you know, that goes into budgeting too. I mean- I can't imagine the budgeting process for a 10,000 person company. Um, yeah, we never had to do that. And how, and how you, you know, who, who decides when something is okay to be spent, uh, especially, you know, if they're at, on the front lines and they're the ones dealing with the customer and they mm-hmm. know they can make a decision, they'll have to spend, you know, $40,000 to make this mm-hmm. decision. Does it have to go travel up certain, uh, I, again, I don't, I don't, I'm not the best person to answer what should be done. I just can, I can only imagine that if, you're leading that organization. You want decisions to be made well and quickly. Yeah. Yep. Um, and if there's important information on the front lines, I want it to be, I want to hear about it quickly. And then I want information that we're discussing uh, amongst the leadership team to be distributed as quickly as possible. Uh, so I feel like those two things, or you have to be able to answer. I agree. Or you put in place principles or policies, I guess that, that actually empower the person to understand the constraints and the resources. Again, we'll talk about Mm -hmm. those soon that they're allowed to play with. Mm -hmm. And then it comes back to a cultural question of what type of risk tolerance does the organization have Mm -hmm. to allow that to happen? Knowing that that department could completely squander a lot of money potentially Mm-hmm. But if you've given them a clear purpose, structure number one, 
if you've equipped them to find the right people, train the right people, bring the right people together, right? And and then again, we'll get to the the resources and constraints and, and make clear what the resources constraints are, then those policies scale really, really well. Mm-hmm. Those, those, I guess, uh, those policies, those principles scale really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and, and to be fair, even Amazon in this article, when they did the, the, the feedback loop, they, they talked about the fact that the, the four, maybe five things that came up that were the, is exactly what you're saying. It was difficult to gain approval, mm. which meant there was someone on their team that had created themselves to become the bottleneck. And so they even said the way they address that is they basically go figure out who do they need to remove as the bottleneck. Doesn't mean they remove them like from their role, but like how do they train them to either not do it or to actually put them someplace else. Right. Moving that decision-making power down faster and lower. There was too many documents to write. So this is the question of, is the contribution of the work we're doing really necessary? Mm-hmm. Is it valuable? Um, difficult to align on priorities. You said that. It's like, how do you know what you're supposed to be working on? Right. Well, that goes back to purpose. If mm-hmm. you haven't given a really clear intent, then your priorities will be confused every single time. Because then you're just waiting for someone to tell you what to do. Right. Um, too many meetings. Mm-hmm. We have, we have inflow on that a lot. I mean, there'll be seasons where we're like, man, it's really nice. We've done right. good. We've cleaned up our meetings. And then it's like two weeks later, we're like, I have zero space anywhere right. on the calendar. Um, and well, and it's, it's, it's also cleaning up the, how you run meetings too, and be 100%. as effective as possible. I mean, yeah. why schedule an hour if you need 30 minutes? Why or not? 15. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, building agendas, making sure that the question that has to be answered when you leave this meeting, everyone knows even ahead of time, do the work ahead of time give the information needed so that you can have a, a productive meeting. Cause let's just face it when you're leading, that's really probably the main thing you do. Yeah. You have to, you're having different you, conversations. You're, you're facilitating conversations. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and I, I mean, it's even when we're doing workshopping, it's like a workshop is just a giant, long multi-day sometimes meeting and there's goodness there. But if those meetings ultimately are getting in the way of, of the right people getting the contribution they done, they need to get done. Yeah. Then that needs to be, you need to evaluate the, the, the way you're handling your meetings, whether you're doing them, you're doing them differently. Who's there, who needs to be there, et cetera. Oh, so what we're saying, George, is that people, people are all hard, <laughs> but they're, they're the reason we get the work that we get done. I mean, this, this framework, if you wanted to, could kind of like sits on the foundation of people, right? Yep. That's what, that's what we're saying. And even Krim has updated its narrative to talk about the fact that we desire to do this technological creative work with a human first approach because we're yep. doing it with humans and for humans. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then we really need to look closely at who are our customers, who are people, who are stakeholders, who are leaders who are individuals and their contributors and their managers and everything else. How do those people come together into teams so that they're effectively getting work done and and not becoming bottlenecks or silos? And then how does that organization pull together to make sure that has a shared culture that has policies that empower the teams to do what they do best? Mm -hmm. I don't have anything else to say. I think I'm done too. (laughs) 
I've contributed all that I can today. <laughs> For context, this has been Dan is Dan's a trooper today. You've you've had talk about a, me, a day of meetings. Yeah. Whereas I'm yeah. making up for a lot. Apropos, time. this is my first. You're my first adult that I've spoken to, and it's three o'clock in the afternoon. So, <laughs> Sounds glorious. <laughs> well, I've been there's lots of kids around too. Oh, there you um, go. Okay, um, I take that back. Well, this has been fun, Dan. I I'm mm. excited to finish out the last two. Um, two principles for structures, because this will round out kind of us talking about this big idea of, of at least the core of the foundation of the, the framework. Um, but I think there's a lot more that can be unpacked in each of these things. And um, I'm excited to test some of the stuff. These mm-hmm. A lot of these are assumptions. I want to do more research mm-hmm. and learn more about how other organizations are doing this. I think, I think we're on to something. Mm, I like it. All right. Until next time. Cheers. Au revoir. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Gabby Caton, Julie Branson, and Alexa Alfonso. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us. Cheers. Cheers.